brings in Cobb, who literally had to dust off the cobwebs from under his armpit to bring him in and say, hey, you go be the backup point guard. Meanwhile, sits his ass on the bench, getting splinters from the bench, and it's like, dude, why aren't I going in? Why? Because Brad Stevens has this cemented rotation in his mind, and he's probably thinking, can't go in until there's two minutes left in the first quarter. Like, he can't go in right now. All right, welcome back to Unleashed, the most legit Celtics podcast in the game. Hope you got your coffee. We're recording early today. I don't, I don't know if, if, no, we're still going to hold the crown as the most legit Celtics podcast in the game, but I will admit we went on a couple week uh, vacation here. Um, we're doing a lot for the YouTube channel. We're doing a lot for the site, you know, so, so I, I owed it to myself to say, you know what, 107 episodes deep, take a break. Take a two-week break. You guys seemingly on social media have been uh, cool with that, but we are going to get back to it. And um, it's funny. Like I said, we went on this break. The last episode, I said, you know, I think it was titled The Celtics' Biggest Issue or something like that. Not much has changed since then. Not much has made this team any less of an issue or anything like that. So what we're going to do today on today's episode is dig into, not dig into, but we're going to pretty much bring to light all of the problems the Celtics have, and I'm going to either, you know, give you why maybe it's not a real problem or an issue um, or explain why it is. So we're going to kind of go and then maybe at the end, I'll give you what I think the biggest problem is, but um, we're going to kind of rehash what's going wrong with this team because even the dream team, the, the, the excuse me, the green team Kool-Aid drinkers out there, right now you guys have a tough time of defending what the Celtics team's doing. Um, you know, dropping dropping games to the Heat, losing to the Cavs last night. I don't care about injuries. It's the Cavs, ladies and gentlemen. So we're going to get into all of that. But if you guys are watching on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, hit the subscribe button. Hit the follow button. Follow along as we grow this show. Um, 107 episodes in, which is crazy. We've had the ups. We've had the downs. We've had everything in between. But uh, unfortunately, today we're talking a little bit of the down, but we'll, we'll try and make it fun. We'll try and uh, to, to make the, the negative episode seem fun, at least. So uh, let's do some housekeeping first. This isn't housekeeping, but I just want to explain myself here. So if we see this tweet, someone tweeted at me saying, hey, like pick a lane, because I tweeted out saying the Celtics have zero balls. And in my Twitter bio, it says the Celtics team is legit. And that pick a lane tweet, one, it's stupid, like pick a lane, really. So you can't, you can no longer be, according to this dweeb, you can no longer be a Celtics fan and criticize his team, right? Right? No, no, no. It's, it's one or the other. You can either be a, a critic of the team or, you know, then you're the, the super fan. Buddy, buddy, oh, pal, you can be a fan. And I can think I will die, live and die with this Celtics team. You can be in that boat and then also be like, hey, by the way, this team's playing with negative balls. No cojones. No cojones. So just had to throw that out there because Celtic social media right now is driving me up a wall. It's literally so divided that you have you have the um the the radical this side saying, you know what, this team, like, oh, all the, ex- the excuse train, choo-choo, get on an excuse train, injuries, COVID, blah, blah, blah. We haven't had the healthy uh, starting lineup, anything like that, right? You have that side that all these losses, come on, all these excuses are valid, right? No, that's BS too. But then you have this side of this is the worst team in the NBA. I hate the Celtics. I wish that their plane would go down. Stupid shit like that. 
why can't people, one, start in the middle, lean to, like, I'm leaning on the negative side, right? But I'm not out here saying this is the worst team I've ever watched and they're pathetic. Even if they are pathetic, it's like, well, you know, you do have a little bit of these excuses to consider here. I'm not giving total justification to all of these excuses, but you can acknowledge them. So it's so, it's, it's, we've become the Celtics, who I'm sure other NBA franchises would think this, but the Celtics fan base has become toxic, you know, towards each other, towards other fans. Um, and even, I don't think the Celtics have any, like when Sixers fans want to rag on us, like, no, they, they paid their dues. They went through years of being a loser fan base on Twitter. Sixers are good. Now they can shit on us. Okay. Teams that are good. You can shit on the fan base. Cause, cause <laughs> guilty, but we pump this team up so much only to be let down by this. If you're going to give it, you got to take it at some point. But the, I just had to talk about the division, like the division of Celtics fans right now is crazy to me um and like i said i'm i consider myself someone that has done a pretty damn good job and you'll see in this episode you know when i start talking about these problems that i lean towards the man this team this team's driving me nuts no balls no spine all that i lean towards that but i'm not full blown blow it up jason tatum sucks jalen brown sucks everyone sucks get rid of it start over i'm not there yet and I won't be there. Like, I'm never going to be like, oh, let's rebuild this team. You look around the league, the Celtics are in a, a a bad spot, but there's many teams out there that are in a way, 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 way times a million way worse spot than our and your Boston Celtics. So let's get into this. It's tough, but um, we'll start here. Like I said, we're going to go bullet point, sort of by bullet point of what the issue, what, what people would consider the issues of this team. And I'm either going to debunk, validate, um, or give my two cents for what it's worth on these issues. So the first one up we have, um, I guess we'll start with Jason Tatum is not a leader. So I will give anyone saying this. I, I don't think this is the biggest Celtics issue. But it's a huge issue because I will give anyone right now, right here, right now, Jason Tatum isn't a leader. I think you'd be pretty hard-pressed to defend yourself and say that he is a true leader, okay? So I think the the vast majority would say Jason Tatum's not a leader right now. But you have to at least give him the, he's not a, le- like I keep saying, leader right now, or he's not a leader yet. Those last couple words or last word and yet and, and right now are huge here because the kid's 20, like, Kid's only 19, and you don't know if he's going to be a leader yet. Maybe you are in the the group that says, well, I I can just tell. No leadership qualities. He ain't a leader. How can I argue that? Because you know just as well as I know, and not very well, whether or not this kid's going to turn into a leader. So as long as you tell me, hey, he's not a leader yet, I'm not going to argue with you. But we'll play the game right now. That if, oh, I guess we'll start here. If he becomes a leader, then this isn't a problem. This is not a problem. The Celtics get way better. Like, if he's a leader next year, so on and so forth, and a, a big issue that you've had this year, out the window. It's gone. But let's play Let's play the game here. Or one that issue. And I'm not saying the Celtics team goes from, you know, from play-in team to championship just by Jason Tatum becoming a leader. But it, it, it alleviates a big-time pressure issue there. But let's play the game here, the hypothetical that Jason Tatum will never be a leader. And that he is going to be this sort of calm, cool, collected, can drop 60 type of player, but never, ever going to be able to lead a locker room or anything like that. First off, that's bad. Like, that is a negative. That is bad. It's a knock on him. It's going to be a knock on the Celtics franchise because they're going to have to work around that. But, and it's it's a big but, 
it's not the end of the world. You know, like Jason Tatum doesn't need to be the leader. What that comes down to is having the team built around him so that he can be the best player. He can be sort of a fringe lead by example guy, but he's not the rah-rah guy. He's not the emotional support guy. He's not the, you know, screw the other team. Let's go kill them guy. He can drop his 60 points. And then they have another guy that's sort of the, the, the look at him when you need an inspirational talk and whatnot. Now, where I come down on this is someone would be like, oh, well, that's Marcus Smart, right? That's supposed to be Marcus Smart, the heart and soul of the leader. I am very firm on the cutoff of your team leader. It doesn't need to be. I know I said rah-rah and great. It doesn't need to be the guy that hustles the most. It just needs to be the vocal, the, the voice, not even the vocal guy. It needs to be the voice in the locker room, the one that everyone, you know, what he says goes a long way. It doesn't need to be, a, hey, let's go step on their throats. It needs to be the voice, the voice that everyone, you know, it sets the narrative for the team. That, I have a very strong cutoff at that has to be one of your three best players. Obviously, you know, if you get into the second or first best player doing, the best player doing that, that's best case scenario. But I don't think it needs to be your best player. I don't think it needs to needs to be. Obviously, as you get further away from your best player, it gets worse and worse. But I don't think it needs to be your best player. I don't think it needs to be your second best player. But I think you got to draw the line at it. If if not your first or second best players, it needs to be your third best player. You cannot have a Marcus Smart, and you can make the argument that he's not even the fourth best player in the team. But once you get to that Marcus Smart level of of hey, like yeah, I'm the leader, I'm the voice of the locker room, then you can give validation to any one of those you know first, second, or third players looking at Marcus Smart and going, dude, why am I listening to you? Why should I be listening to the fourth best player here? I'm Jason Tatum. I dropped 60 the other night. And it's true. Like that's, I think that Jason Tatum has, is justified to say that. Like why should Jason Tatum listen to Marcus Smart right now? You know, he's, he's so past Marcus Smart in terms of NBA caliber. That's why I think it needs to cut off at, if you're in the top three best players in your team, that's where the leader has to be. And honestly, we, we thought it was Kemba, but, and I thought it was Kemba. And part of me still wants to believe it's Kemba. But I think the Kemba Walker experiment, while I don't think that he's been as bad as a lot of people will say, in terms of being that veteran presence, that veteran leader, I think that's kind of out the window. I think Kemba Walker, that's been a flop in terms of him being the voice, him being the leader of this team. And it's tough because the Celtics were banking on that. The Celtics were banking on Kemba Walker being that voice, being that veteran you know, being that, you know, first, second, or third best player that guys can turn to, and you can look at it either way. Maybe the guys don't resonate with him in terms of a leader. They like him, that's clear. But in terms of being a leader, maybe they don't like that. Or maybe it's that, hey, this guy's wildly inconsistent. You know, he gets injured. He doesn't play, yada, yada, yada. Why Why am I going to let him tell me what to do? So I hope it's 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 just a matter of, you know, they like him, but he just isn't the guy that they wanted him to be rather than guys are tuning out Kemba Walker. But it puts you in a tough spot because, like I said, you're banking on that for being Kemba, and now this team, and we'll talk about this, is probably another negative bullet point that we'll talk about. This team doesn't have the the trade chips or the the bright future ahead in terms of how they can change the team. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, bright future. I'm not saying that. But in terms of how they can make some serious changes, it, you're kind of tied. Like, you could group up Grant Williams, Sammy Ojale, Romeo Langford, and Aaron Neesmith all in a trade and still get pretty much jack shit for them. You know, like, they don't have the, the trade chips that people think. But um, we'll talk about that, obviously, 
in its own little segment here on today's show. Jason Tatum, not the leader. I think that kind of sums it up that, um, you know, I will give the people he's not a leader yet. I, I don't think you can, you know, rightfully say Jason Tatum just doesn't have a leadership in him. Like, you don't know that. He, he, he could turn into a leader all of a sudden. Um, but uh, it, it's not that uncommon for your best player to, to also not be your, like, leader. Like, think around the league. Think around the league. Like, even, you know, you, you go LeBron. Okay, he's the leader. He's the best player. Steph Curry was. He was the best player. But then Steph wasn't even the best player and still the leader when Durant was there. Um, you don't have to be. To be a good team, you don't have to be, one, the best player out there, the best scorer, the best defender, whatever. You don't have to be the best player out there and be the leader if you want to be a, a true, you know, caliber, championship caliber team. Is that the best way to do it? Is that the easiest route? Hell yeah. Would I love Jason Tatum to be a leader? Hell yeah. But if you could have, you know, say all things worked out and we're not where we are now and we, we go back and rewrite history, Kemba Walker is that vocal presence and that leader that guys can look to. That's fine. You have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum as your two best players, both young, and they can go back to this guy who also is one of the best players on the team. Not Marcus Smart level, but also one of the best guys on the team any given night. He can score the most points. He's the vocal guy. This team, you know, is a lot better and it works out. But sadly, the Kemba Walker leadership experience has flopped. I'm not ready to say the Kemba Walker experiment altogether has flopped, but I know a lot of people would say that, but I'm just not totally there yet I guess all right because we already like hinted on it I wanted to talk about the um the, I guess this would be the depth of the team but also sort of what can you do in the trade because that's an issue right now too people think that the Celtics you know they can blow it up in this offseason right and figure it out but how does that work what are you willing to part ways with that would actually get you a decent return I'm not ready to trade Jalen Brown you know Marcus Smart maybe being the biggest piece that you could move it's tough because your team goes from you know you're starting five ain't half bad i don't care what anyone says you're starting five ain't half bad but the celtics have proven over and over again they're never going to be healthy so screw the starting five for a second look past that and go okay well where, where do you go six seven eight nine and ten those guys right now you're looking at peyton pritchard who you know i don't know if teams really value peyton pritchard maybe they do maybe they don't grant williams no team cares about trading for grant williams no team cares about trading for um romeo langford or aaron neesmith or semi ojale like these guys don't even have value so what are you willing to as a celtics fan part ways with that would get you the most return like are you willing to part ways with jalen brown maybe to get Bradley Beal, I know that, you know, that name's thrown around so much. Like, is that worth it to you, or do you only get marginally better and maybe even worse on the other end of the ball? So it, it's tough because the Celtics don't have the trade. Maybe, I'll say this, trading chips for the Celtics that may be valid. Tristan Thompson, I don't know if anyone wants that. What is he, $9 million? I don't know if anyone's willing to take that, even though it's not the most ridiculous contract. Tristan Thompson hasn't been totally worth the money. Not my money, I don't care. I think Tristan's done a fine job this year. But I don't know if that's a trade chip. That's where I'm going here. Tristan Thompson, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams. Maybe. That might be your only three sort of, um, those are your only three guys that you could possibly trade. And are Celtics fans willing to get rid of Robert Williams? I don't know if I am. I do really believe that all these injuries, like it's a conspiracy theory of mine. I'm willing, I, I, I can admit it's a conspiracy theory, but I think these injuries that he have are bullshit. I think that it's the, the, the artery disease or artery syndrome that he has in his legs that keeps him out. I think that that's the truth, and I think that they just don't want to admit that this guy has a serious syndrome um, with his arteries and artery condition in his legs. So his turf toe or his sore knee or upper calf, all of these bull injuries, I don't think it's that. I think they're managing the fact that the guy legitimately has a health issue, and it's never going away. 
You know what I mean? And that, unless he gets like a super serious surgery to fix it. Um, if you don't know that, just look up Robert Williams artery disease. You'll find it. I think the acronyms like PSIS or something, whatever. I'm not a doctor, but I do think that that is the issue with Robert Williams. That's my conspiracy theory. Don't know if it's true. It's an edgy. I'll say this. It's an educated conspiracy theory. I've floated it around to, to people that know a little bit more than I do. And it's not too far out there. I'll say that, but it's still a conspiracy theory. No way is that a confirmed, like I per source, Robert Williams, these injuries are fake. It's actually, the, no, 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 no. But just know that that could definitely be it. Okay. Don't rule it out because turf toe, give me a break. Upper calf tightness. Give me a break. Knee injury. Give me a break. Hip. Give me a like. Remember who, remember who told you that if it ever comes to light, but is he a trade piece? Are you willing to part ways with him? I don't know. I don't know if I would because he's shown so much damn potential. Marcus Smart, I think I'm willing to trade, but I don't know if you trade Marcus Smart and all of a sudden the team's fixed, right? Like, is that a big enough move? Same thing with Arb Williams or Tristan Thompson or any of these big enough moves to move the needle. Probably not. Go figure. So it's it's tough because the Celtics, that's an issue right now. Not an on-court issue, but come this offseason, what is your move? What is your, okay, this is how we fix it personnel-wise. You can't sign anyone. You hope to re-sign Evan Fournier, right? But with Kemba Walker's money, you know, the, the, you're not going to get another max guy in here. So I think that that's like a, a, a rude awakening for Celtics fans right now, that people don't want to acknowledge that, like, this offseason comes, it's not like you just solve your problems this offseason. That's, that's not how it's going to work. Not personnel-wise, not player-wise. Good sip of coffee. You saw that on YouTube, but if you're listening, you probably just heard me slurp it. So I apologize for both uh, platforms. Um, I just got so off topic. I looked over there and then saw my wall and had no clue what I was talking about. Like I literally started staring at a wall and I was like, wow, I just talked about coffee. Didn't even remember this is a Celtics podcast. We're good though. We're back on track. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just a rude sort of awakening and, and a, a bitter truth as a Celtics fan, and I hope as I say this, you guys are kind of like, damn, you're kind of right, because if you're not willing to trade Jalen Brown, or if, hell, if you're not willing to trade Marcus Smart, what's your offseason plan, you know? It's kind of crazy. No team wants Grant Williams or Romeo or maybe even Neesmith, and if they do want them, what do you expect to get? You think you're going to get a Carl Anthony Towns for Grant Williams? You know, so it sucks. It's tough. Uh, but next problem up is... I guess we'll just jump right into Brad Stevens because it kind of parlays into what we were saying. And we saw this come out today. I'll put the tweet up on the screen. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Danny Ainge saying that, you know, we have some real problems. We're going to address those problems this offseason. Again, I just talked about it. How are you going to do that, Danny, buddy? And he said Brad Stevens is not the issue. Pretty much guaranteeing that Brad Stevens is here at the beginning of next year. I don't hate it. I don't love it. As I've said on the post-game show, if you guys don't tune into my live post-game show after every single Celtics game, make sure you do. It's right here on YouTube. I'm 88% ready to fire Brad Stevens. That's still leaving the door open for, what, 12%? Quick math there. No big deal. Let's get a clap for that. Thank you, thank you, quick math mathematician. I'm still, you know, not fully on board with, hey, let's get rid of Brad. Let's trade Brad. Let's get him out of here. He's the, he's the problem. I think he is the problem but I'm not willing to say he's the only problem. I think he's probably the biggest shareholder of the problem here, but the fact that we see Danny Ainge come out and say Brad's not the real issue, 
you know what this, and then now I'm going to go into another hypothetical when I talk about a problem. That means Danny Ainge believes, because what, is Danny Ainge going to admit that it's his problem? Like, oh, I've, I've built this team. No, he's not going to admit that. He now believes that it's the leadership. We kind of already talked about this, Jason Tatum, like that the players on the team, that's the real issue. And that's a problem because that tells me, and we talk about it all the time on the post-game show, if, if you're Danny Ainge and you choose Brad Stevens over, say, your superstars or your players, that's a, I'm not going to lie, it's a pretty big issue, huge issue for the Celtics moving forward because you should trust your superstars. In today's climate in the NBA, you ride with your superstars over your coach who really hasn't proven all that much. So it's it's tough to swallow that all of a sudden, you know, we get a we pretty much hook, line, and sinker get the confirmation that Brad Stevens is probably coming back next year. And we're gonna run it back like this. So now, now you look at okay, you have this coach who we'll talk about his problems in two seconds here, but all the stuff I've mentioned thus far in this show, that's the stuff you're gonna have to fix. And that stuff's harder to fix than saying, Hey, bye coach, let's get a new one in here. No matter how you want to look at it, love Brad Stevens, hate Brad Stevens, it's easier to, the best way to shake up a team is fire the coach and, and, and get a new guy in here and see if that works. It, it doesn't always work out, but if you're talking about just strictly shaking up a team, I guess you could say for better or worse, the way to shake up a team, fire the coach, get a new guy in. That's cut and dry facts. So if they're not willing to do that, then they have to address everything I've kind of already talked about with the depth of the team, trading for someone, Jason Tatum becoming a leader, because it's going to be tough to build this team, one, with Kemba Walker still on the books, and two, tough to build this team, you know, what, through the draft again, because Danny Ainge has been such a great drafter lately, or through free agency where you don't have that much money. It's going to be really, 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 really tough. But let's jump back into Brad Stevens and, and let me give my take on on why he is, I already mentioned it, probably one of the, if not the biggest shareholder for... um issues on this team. If we're going to say this team has no grit, no determination, no competition level, no leadership, right? You could say, you know what? You're supposed to get that out of your players. You're supposed to get the, the grit from Marcus Smart. You're supposed to get the always being able to compete with anyone from Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. You're supposed to get the leadership from Kemba Walker. But if you're not getting the leadership or any of that sort of motivation from those guys... By default, the guy that's supposed to step up into that role is the coach. Like, if we're not getting the leadership out of Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, if you're not getting the leadership out of those guys, then the coach has to recognize that and has to become the leader, has to be the guiding voice. The coach can't just sit back and say, we have no narrative, we have no voice in the locker room. Whatever, guys, figure it out. That you by default, and it's not in a players league like today, it's not always the best to have the coach be the voice, but by default, if your players aren't going to be the voice, it has to be Brad Stevens. And this is just like a, a an emotional sort of culture type of thing. I'm not even talking about, and we'll get into in two seconds, his in-game bullshit. Brad Stevens, by default, if his players aren't going to be that. You have to try to be that. And Brad Stevens clearly hasn't even tried to be the emotional voice, the the narrative setter, like the tone setter. Like, it's clear. That much is clear. But going into the court side of things, rotations. The Celtics have a couple games left this season, an entire season, in which Brad Stevens still hasn't figured out the rotation. Oh, but F, there's been so many injuries, so many injuries. I get it. I get it. So many injuries, right? But why? I'll just give you examples here. Why? Jalen Brown's out. Injury, I get it. Kemba Walker gets hurt in the first 
quarter against the Heat, right? First quarter against the Heat. Okay, that sucks. Brings in Carson Edwards, who literally had the dust off the cobwebs from under his armpit to bring him in and say, hey, you go be the backup point guard. Meanwhile, Peyton Pritchard sits his ass on the bench, getting splinters from the bench, and it's like, dude, I've been the backup point guard all year long. Why aren't I going in? Why? Because Brad Stevens has this cemented rotation in his mind, and he's probably thinking, Peyton Pritchard can't go in until there's two minutes left in the first quarter. Like, he can't go in right now. So he's like, Carson Edwards, get out of here, or get in there, and then, you know, jump off the bench. You probably don't even have your shorts on because you didn't think you were playing tonight. That's an issue. No feel for the game. He has this rotation in mind, and he sits there and does it. And I have confirmed this. I've, I've talked to multiple people. We, we kind of discovered it on the Tommy Points podcast. Brad Stevens runs more simulations for rotations and lineups than any other coach in the league. It sounds like maybe a guy ahead of his time, but it also sounds like a guy that does not trust his feel for the game. And that translates into black and white. Hey, you're not doing this right in the game. Hey, that rotation's a little wonky, blah, blah, blah. And it's been proven. Another example, Aaron Neesmith playing really well as of late, right? That's great. But he was playing really well a month ago, too. And then Romeo Lankford came back, and you absolutely, you didn't you didn't say, hey, Neesmith, instead of playing 15 minutes, why don't you play seven? You said, hey, Neesmith, play 15. Romeo Lankford comes back, zero. Literally last guy off the bench, Neesmith. And now all of a sudden, you know, now he comes back and plays a month later and is playing really well. So now I beg the question of, okay, if, if Neesmith was going up, 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 then you cut his minutes, he comes back and now he's improving again. What if you just kept playing him because he was earning minutes that entire month that you sat him? That's another just absolute rotational miss. And talking about feel of the game and, and, and being able to sense what's going on, timeouts. Timeouts. It's no secret anymore, and you can't even deny it anymore that Brad Stevens does not know when and when not to take timeouts. I'm not saying that's, that isn't the end of the world, but when a lot of other things are going wrong, that's a pretty simple issue that you should be able to handle, that if you don't, all of a sudden it goes right, it's a cherry on top, and it's like, there it is, there's my example, that's why he sucks. I'm not saying he sucks as a coach, but his timeout usage, literally terrible. I have not seen coaches in the NBA as bad as him at timeouts. He literally will wait a 19-0 run to use his timeout. The run's already over. I'm talking about the Sixers game. Run's already over, and you use your timeout. Game's over, pal. The run's over. It's been 19 points. 19-2 to two run, I think it was. Use your timeout at the end of that. Game over. You blew the game right there. Timeout at the end of that does not do it. All that does is stitch up your wound, but you already lost all the blood in your body. That's what it is. <sighs> then, the Celtics seemingly are going on a run, and he'll take a timeout. So it's like his timeout usage and feel for the game aren't there. And that can be okay. if That can be his flaw, I'll say, if he's going to be really, really good at the other stuff that he's been in the past. But we haven't seen this other stuff that he's really good at. X's and O's, guaranteed bucket out of a timeout. We have not seen that in so long that all of a sudden these little, these little, little problems over here, those start to be an issue. Those start to be like, okay, well, this is a big problem then because it used to be, hey, you get, you get the top end X's and O's coach. But this little guy is a problem, but we'll deal with that because we're getting all this up here in the top right. When you don't get that good stuff and all of a sudden you just are getting this missing timeout, those things start to add up. So Brad Stevens, big, big, big problem for this team. And again, I'm not even like 100% fire him, but what I can say 100% is that if you fire him, you'll have resumes out the wazoo. You will get a new coach. You'll find a new one. And at the very least, it shakes up the team. It might have kind of wipe the slate clean. And who knows if, if the, the players listen to this guy, get a new voice in there, so on and so forth. So Brad, I hate to say it, but 
I'm willing to, to let you go this offseason. Um, I don't think it's going to happen because even Vegas had like, you know, eight to 80% chance that Brad Stevens is the Celtics coach next year. And then Danny Ainge says on the radio, he's not the issue. And we're going to address issues in the offseason. He's not the issue. That's tough for me because it's almost like this little fraternity of Wick Grosbeck, Danny Ainge, and um, Brad Stevens that they're like, hey, like we're, we're good, we're good, we're, we're, the, we're the true ones, we know what's going on here, like we're buddy, buddy, buddy. At some point, and Danny Ainge is as cutthroat as they come, at some point he's got to be willing to say, you know what, Brad, I love you. We've built something pretty good in the eight years that you've been here. You've taken, you know, under, you know, underappreciated teams and had them overachieve. But now you've had a, a pretty damn good team and you've underachieved. I'm sorry, man. Find the door. Best of luck. Because that's where I am. If Brad Stevens were to get fired, we would get over it like that. I don't care what you say to combat that. You would get over it. It happens over and over again. Coaches get fired in the NBA. It's the truth. Celtics fans would get over Brad Stevens being fired like that. Just like we, oh, we didn't want to trade Daniel Tice. Didn't want to trade Daniel Tice. When's the last time you thought about Daniel Tice? Probably forever ago. Brad Stevens, if he hits the road and goes and succeeds elsewhere, you would be okay with it. Now, is that going to be the case? It doesn't seem like it. Like I said, that 80% chance based on Vegas that he comes back is alarming to me because then, and I keep going back to sort of the way we started the show here, how do you address the issues that you have without making a major, major, major move? To me, getting rid of Marcus Martin, bringing someone else in is not a major move. The only major personnel move would be to sort of draw a line in the sand and say, let's go with Jason and trade Jalen or God forbid, let's go with Jalen and trade Jason. Like that to me is how you address the personnel issues here. And because you need to get that leadership guy, right? We talked about it. The top three players, none of them are the true leaders. So if you're willing to ride with Brad Stevens, Danny Ainge is pretty much saying it's based on the guys that we have right now. Those are the problems. And again, to bring up a point I said earlier, is that now Danny Ainge saying I side with Brad over Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown? Because that's not what you want to do as a GM in today's NBA. And let's throw in too. Let's think back and realize how much time, money, effort, building around that we've invested into Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. If one of them were to go and we don't get something in return that makes us better, like if we trade one of them just to get a, a like player in, you're kind of screwed. You built this team around those two guys. You did. You did. And God forbid one of them walks at the end of their contract or demands a trade because they've had enough. If any of them, if either of them, I should say, are gone, all of a sudden you literally are kind of like, oh, we are back to square one. Didn't anticipate that. But the way the Celtics team is going, are you crazy? Like, you don't think you don't think that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have been like, dude, I'm putting my heart on the line. I'm dropping 60 points, 53 points, and we can't string two wins together? Jalen Brown goes, I was an all-star this year. How are we a seven seed? Oh, it's because, you know, people will shit on me and say, pass the ball, Jalen, pass the ball, Jason. To who? Grant Williams for a corner three to poke someone's eye out in the stands? It misses so badly? This, the, 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 it's got to be frustrating for Jason Tatum. It's got to be frustrating for Jalen Brown. And let's just hope they have more patience than the fan base because if, if this team gets, imagine they don't even make the playoffs, they get bounced in the play-in. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are sitting that offseason going, okay, so you're telling me we're not going to get rid of the coach, okay? 
And you're telling me that you think our biggest issue is was was COVID this year. Like, oh, oh, okay, that's that's great. That's great. Oh, oh, we're gonna trade Tristan, Tristan Thompson and get like another big man in. That's probably a little overpaid. Doesn't do too much. Great. We're gonna be a championship team next year, right? No, man. Like, I would get frustrated if I was either of those guys. And let's hope that's not the case. Like, I'm again. This is a hypothetical that either of them are thinking this way, but I could totally see them thinking this way. I would probably put it at like 20% chance they even are thinking this way. Like, I don't think that those, that's what they are. I think they believe in this team. I hope they believe in Brad Slay. I hope they believe in Danny Ainge. But how much of the same can you see before you're like, we're not, we're not trying to make moves here. We're not trying to do it here. Like Danny Ainge, you don't think that he could have tried to get something in a sign and trade for Hayward, like a little stronger. I know that it was up to Hayward, but like that's a move where Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown might be going like, I feel like there's opportunity there to do something, and you didn't. Then the trade deadline, okay, let's go and get Vucevic. Literally, the guy does everything. Huge guy, and they get Evan Fournier, who I love Evan Fournier, but Evan Fournier isn't a season-changing trade. And then you go, okay, well, you know what? Now we're going to make a splash. I think Danny Ainge even said himself, I'm going to make a splash in the buyout market. Buddy, oh, pal. What was the splash? Jabari Parker, who you bought out and don't even give him a chance because you got four foot eleven Grant Williams playing over him it just doesn't make sense so yeah there's big issues here we have jason tatum not being a leader no real tradable chips or assets and then you have brad stevens and if i go to the last problem here i guess it's last problem these problems extend and, and you know ripple effect out into multiple avenues but if i go into one last real big real big problem that people want to call out and I, this is one that i guess i'm going to debunk is the Danny Ainge problem. I, I agree Danny Ainge hasn't put together the best team. Like when they lose to the Heat or they lose to the Clippers or something like that, it's like, okay, well, guess what? You just didn't, or they lose to the Nets, right? Okay, your team's not good enough to beat them. That's a Danny Ainge problem. But when you lose to the Pelicans and you lose to the Pistons and, you know, you lose to the Knicks before they were really good and you lose to the Wizards, all of these really bad losses, the Hawks you lose to, like, and again, Knicks, Hawks, they ended up being pretty good, but when you lost to them, they were beatable. You lose these bad games. I don't think that that's a Danny Ainge didn't put together the best team loss. You know, if you have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown in those games against the Pistons, 24 points up against the Pelicans, the Bulls, you should beat those teams, even with the team that you have. So that's where all of a sudden I'm like, okay, blame Danny Ainge for losing to the Heat, losing to the Clippers, losing for the, to the Nets, the Bucks. Blame him because the team's not good enough to compete with the best teams in the league. But to say that Danny Ainge didn't put together a good enough team to not blow a 24-point lead against the Pelicans or to not get, you know, Sadiq Bey goes off against you on the Pistons, then you're kind of, you're, you're the, the idiot here because that team's good enough. The, the team that the Celtics trotted out against, even most recently, the team that the Celtics trotted out against the Bulls, to get beat by them, what, twice? That team's good enough, the one that you trotted out there. Danny Ainge technically did his job for that game. So that's why a little bit of the blame game comes away from him. And again, I've ranked this before on the show, on the channel, on the post-game show. My blame goes Brad Stevens, players, Danny Ainge. Um, in terms of what's happening this year. Overall, Danny Ainge is a lot, like it starts at the top in terms of if this team's built for a championship or not. That's his fault. But we're so far removed from championships. What are we doing spinning our tires talking about, oh, why are we not a championship team? Let's try and be a true playoff team first because this year has been a big time problem. But um, all right, I think, I think that wraps up episode 107. 
trying to think if I got anything else. Do, 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 do. No, I think we're good. But um, guys, thank you very much for tuning in. Make sure to hit that subscribe button if you are watching on the YouTube. Hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts and follow on Spotify. If you're just listening to this, that's awesome. But consider heading over to the Guy Boston Sports YouTube and checking out the video version. And uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll catch you in the next one. Who knows? By the time I'm doing this next episode, the Celtic season could be over. Oh my God. But I'll catch you guys in the next one. <laughs>